It is time for our midday program here on KRVN on a very nice Tuesday. A little breezy, but springtime in Nebraska for sure. I'm Scott Foster. Thank you so much for joining us wherever you are, whatever you're doing. Uh, we are two of three today as uh, Bob Brogan is in here, and so is Shaley Peters. Jason Jorgensen is uh, going to be live via uh, audio tape. I think is how they used to say that, but I don't, I, don't, I don't know. I don't know. I'm just digressing. Hi, Shaylee. How are you? Hi, Scott. You videotapes. Do you, do you remember videotapes? You're so young. You... Of course. In fact, I'm fairly certain my parents have a small uh, fortune stashed in Disney VHSs. Oh, really? Good. The problem is finding a VHS to play them on sometimes. Correct. Yeah, right. Yeah. So, anyway, what do you got for us today? Well, um, you know, we were talking, oddly enough, I just looked at this, we were talking about robots ahead of uh, mm-hmm, midday yes, today, yes, and we we're going to feature robots in oh, our midday, so how about me. that? Nice. We'll talk about that here in just a second, but first, um, we're going to talk about soil health, that'll be up at 1219, Aeroseed is hosting their soil health conference tomorrow in Broken Bow, so we get to visit with um, their agronomists. Rich Russell, and then at 12.45, in come the robots. Clay Patton is visiting with Clint Brower. He's got a startup company, Greenfield Robotics, as they look to replace chemicals on the farm with robots. So mm-hmm. certainly something interesting, and you won't want to miss out. That'll be at 12.45. And then back at 117, of course, with calving season underway for a lot of our producers, that means breeding season likely isn't too far off. We're going to visit with Carla Wilkie with the university. Uh, she talks about making sure your bulls have a good and appropriate body condition score, some of the things a producer should be looking at now. So all sorts of stuff all during right. the day the day. Awesome. Thank you very much. Appreciate You're it, You're welcome. Yep. Let's check in with Jason, see what's going on in sports. Hey, thanks. Well, tonight we have plenty of high school basketball action for you as district finals wrap up across the state. D16, Carney Catholic, that's Southern Valley against Heartland. The Eagles looking to bounce back after they fell in the sub-district final at Elm Creek. Tip-off of that one is set for six. You can hear that game Right here on 880 KRVN. Also a couple of old FKC rivals score off tonight in the D18 as Elm Creek takes on Pleasanton. That one will take place from Carney High. Tip-off at 730. You can hear the game on Cami Country. Also, Concordia and Hastings College go at it again tonight. And women's basketball is able to find, they will decide the GPAC title. Of course, the Bulldogs are ranked second. Hastings College is ranked fourth. They split during the uh, regular season. So the Rubber game of that series tonight. Tip-off is set for 7 in Seward. You can hear that game in the York area on our sister station, Max Country. So that's what's coming up in sports. Thanks, Jason. Bob, real quickly with stocks. Well, stocks jumped today after the Federal Reserve made an emergency rate cut, but now they're down again. Uh, We're not exactly sure what is going on with that, but everything is kind of reacting to this virus. Um, but the Dow Jones was up, and now it's down. All right, we'll check it all on midday. Time for us to check in on our uh, weather and see how it's affecting agriculture for us and around the world. Paul Perkins in studio with me here, and uh, you know we were just talking about this, Paul. That sometimes uh, it's kind of nice 
in the winter, a lot of times we'll have forecasts that are just really long. Yes. And right now, we've <laughs> chance got, of rain here, chance of snow here, <laughs> exactly. blah blah blah. Yes. <laughs> and now we've got these ones from northeast, northwest, and north central Kansas, like two lines. Exactly. You know, it's just it's a sign of good things, I guess. Exactly. All there is to talk about is how nice it's going to be right. over the next several days. So we'll take that as we head into spring here. We absolutely <laughs> will. And and to look at the visual the satellite uh, photo, and there's just nothing going on right now I no like we it. can't even talk about any snow cover that I you know. might be able to see on a visible satellite photo on a clear day like today just a little bit of cloud cover looks like towards about shadron and gordon in the northwest part of nebraska otherwise pretty wide open as far as a uh, clear skies across the area it's some very nice temperatures already into the upper 40s to the low 50s in many areas across the area so we're actually close to we're actually a little bit above average what we see for daytime highs currently across the area here at midday well, and no surprise, as I've been saying, too, it's going to be breezy because spring in Nebraska is <laughs> just breezy. It so. is March. That's, yes, that's, for, that's sure. for sure. But once again, lots of sunshine across the area, upper 40s to low 50s for our temperatures. Some westerly downslope winds off some high pressure will lead to temperatures today that will be about 10 to 15 degrees warmer than normal. Plenty of sunshine sticking around. A concern for today will be near critical fire danger from the combination of some breezy winds and low humidity. Tomorrow through Sunday, remaining dry with above normal temperatures. Tomorrow, our temperatures expected to once again range in the upper 50s to the mid-60s with the ridge of fine pressure moving through the northern plains. We will get a glancing blow of cooler air on Thursday to drop our temperatures to slightly above average. A storm system passing well to our north will help to aid in that cool down. Thursday also featuring the best chance of reaching critical fire weather danger with some breezy northwest winds and low humidity down to around 20%. Friday looks to be a transition day to our warmest temperatures over the weekend with the large ridge of high pressure moving overhead. And by this weekend, we could see our first taste of 70-degree weather. A fast-moving area of low pressure will increase the cloud cover on Sunday. By Sunday night into Monday, mainly rain with some snow is possible with that system since it will be fairly warm. Temperatures will cool back to slightly above average during the day Monday. In the long term, the chances remain very good for warmer than normal temperatures. Sunday through March 16th for Nebraska, Kansas, and much of the U.S., Nebraska and Kansas expected to see slightly above normal precipitation Sunday through the 16th. The potential for spring flooding in our region is near to above average. The increased threat is from high river levels that are left over from last year and elevated soil moisture. In addition, the outlook through May does call for a higher chance of above normal precipitation. At the same time, there are several indicators for flood risk that are below normal, including no snow cover, low to near zero ice jam threat for most rivers, and very little frost left in the ground. In fact, the National Weather Service in Hastings did a sample of mm-hmm. how far the frost is down, and it's very low and really? barely even any frost in the ground already. Wow. Key weather factors influencing the markets include continued dry weather in much of South America and a mild forecast in the Midwest. Active weather across the southern and eastern U.S. will continue through Thursday from central Texas to Georgia and South Carolina. Additional rainfall of 2 to 4 inches could trigger more flooding. The rain in the Delta will keep the soil saturated and disrupt their field work. Near to above normal temperatures will prevail the next several days from the Pacific coast all the way to the northern plains. Despite the mild weather in the Corn Belt, extensive snow cover remains from the eastern Dakotas to the upper Great Lakes. Towards the Midwest, above normal temperatures over the next 10 days will help out with the snow melt and allow some draining of excess soil moisture. A possible strong storm 6 to 10 days out from now in the Midwest 
will need to be watched for a new round of heavy rain. In central Brazil, dry weather is helping the soybean harvest. Additional rain is needed to maintain the growth and development of second crop corn. In Argentina, the stress is higher for filling corn and soybeans as their weather remains dry. The crop stress will increase more as it turns very warm to hot. By Friday, though, there is a chance of isolated showers for Argentina. But as you look back to what we had last year at this time when we did, of course, see that flooding across the area, we had a lot of snow the, on the ground, yet the ground was still frozen. You know, totally different situation this year as we head into that time period where we did see that flooding last year. There was, there was a lot of concern about flooding coming into this year because it looked like it was setting up again, but, but there was just nowhere for that, that runoff to go last year, yeah, ex- and, ex- and so this year at least it can go in the ground a little bit. Exactly, so yes, good. especially with that frost level continuing to disappear. All right. All, all kinds of good news from yes. you today, Paul. Let's, sleep. Let's hope it nice. keeps going. Yes. All right. Very good. Well, thank you, Paul. Where do you go to check in on your weather? Weather tab, krvn.com. Using cover crops and grazing in regenerative farm and ranch management. I'm Shaley Peters, joining you back here on the Rural Radio Network. And that's exactly one of the themes at this year's Soil Health Conference. That is happening tomorrow. Our guest today, Rich Russell with Arrow Seed. He's their regional sales agronomist. And Rich, I know you guys are very excited about it. Give us an overview on what people can expect from this year's Soil Health Conference. Yes, Shaley, thanks for inviting us. Every year we put on a conference with uh, my thought in mind is whether you're just uh, interested or want to start some of the soil health practices or experienced and want to uh, back up some of that information or reinforce what you know or further develop a um, systems approach to your operation. Now you've got a very full schedule of speakers, a producer panel, breakout sessions, just a lot of really great information that's going to be shared this year. So let's dive into that. Who are you having on as speakers this year and what's some of the information that will be coming out of the Soil Health Conference? Our our keynote speaker, Jimmy Emmons, who I've got to know a little bit, is from Dewey County, Oklahoma. He's a third generation producer in that area with uh, livestock and farm combined and uh, he's really engaging I think uh, his first topic is I'm a recovering tillage addict um, goes not only into why he no-tills but more of why he does use a systems approach and then we'll have him do some more in a breakout session and his closing uh, will be the the subject of long live the soil and why should we care some of that information is really heartwarming and makes you think about what we're doing for conservation practices. And then uh, we'll have also Candy Thomas with a session uh, on uh, ecological nutrient management. And and uh, Candy has extensive knowledge of soils. Um, with uh, She can tell you a little bit about every, every uh, characteristics uh, of it or uh, what insects might be in it, what type of biological life you're looking at. Um, I think that'll be a very interesting to get a little bit deeper into soils. Um, we've got uh, Jake Miller with a uh, grazing and fencing strategies. Jake has a fencing business, but he's taken a, and his family's taken a large step out into uh, actually sold their combine and grazing every acre, including all the rangeland and the farm ground. And, uh, and how he's making that work and his 
has a fencing business, but he also uh, really is great at helping teach us some strategies on how to rotational graze and fence that. And finally, Rich, I uh, did mention it's in Broken Bow. What time does this start? Do people need to register? Give us some of those details uh, that people need to know ahead of tomorrow. The registration is online at arrowseed.com. You're sure invited. It's a free session. Uh, we're holding the convention at the, uh, the conference at the One Box Convention Center right here in Broken Bow. Um, the address is on our uh, webpage, too. Uh, want to make sure you go to the Cobblestone Hotel, the, the One Box Convention Center. If you put in the uh, address in Google, might take you to, or, or Maps might take you out to the hunting range. So we're not shooting skeet tomorrow. We're going to concentrate on this conference. Wonderful. Again, our guest, Rich Russell, Arrowseed Regional Sales Agronomist, talking about that Soil Health Conference happening tomorrow in Broken Bow. Again, you can find more information at arrowseed.com. You're listening to the Rural Radio Network. Hey, thanks, Scott. Well, it's another top five matchup tonight as second-ranked Concordia hosts fourth-ranked Hastings College in the women's championship game of the GPAC Conference Tournament. Now, this is a four-straight year Concordia is playing for the title. Both teams only have two losses, with both handing the other a defeat. Bulldog head coach Drew Olson says round three should be another defensive battle. Both teams are just going to grind it out defensively, and, and they're, they're both really, really good in the half court. Um, and so it's going to be a low-scoring game. It's, it's a matter of doing all the little details, making your free throws, uh, finishing layups and transition. Um, and so I think it's going to be another one of those tough games. Now Concordia is looking for its fourth consecutive conference championship, while Hastings College is playing in the title game for the first time since 2007. Tip-off tonight in Seward is set for seven. You can hear that game in the York area on Max Country. Also a busy night for high school district final action. Elm Creek and Pleasanton square off in the D18 boys district final from Kearney High. Pleasanton won the regular season matchup with the Buffaloes 57-54 back in late January. Tip-off tonight is set for 7.30. You can hear that game on Cami Country, 92.7 at KRVN.com. At the D16 tonight, Southern Valley faces off against Heartland. Now the Eagles have had a good season, and head coach Tyler Fincher talks about how things have gone down the stretch? Boy, we uh, we started off kind of hot, and we uh, we played pretty good uh, at times. And then I think you know down the stretch here, just our mental toughness and our team chemistry. I, I really like how our team has come together and and fighting for each other and working together on offense too. Now Southern Valley was knocked off in the sub district final by Elm Creek. Tip off tonight of this one starts at six. We will bring you that game on 880-KRVN. Other district finals of note tonight at the A3. Carney is at Miller North. That one begins at 7. The C11 has Adams Central against O'Neill. They will meet at Central Valley High School at 7. At the D15, Axtell takes on Paxton. Tip-off is set for 7 in Gothenburg. And at the D11, North Platte St. Pat's, they are the top seed in that class. They take on East Butler. They'll play in Wood River at 6.30. That's a look at sports. For more, find it anytime. KRVN.com. I'm Jason Jorgensen. Thanks a lot, Jason.
Imagine, if you will, a future in agriculture where there's no need for the use of on-farm chemicals. But what could create such a future? The answer may be robots. And we had a bot going up and down 30 inch rows of pearl millet. And we found that it was very successful in controlling pigweed. Welcome to the Rural Radio Network. I'm Clay Patton, and I want to introduce you to a tech startup company that you just heard from. Greenfield Robotics and Clint Brower looking at how to make robotics work for weed control and more in agriculture. Clint, I go back to our first meeting, and that was at a lentil conference hosted by UNL Extension in Kearney. There you were working for Canaday Foods at the time. Canaday Farms and Greenfield Robotics, I mean, they're two separate companies. And when you met me, we were doing a couple things. We were recruiting farms for uh, Canaday Pet Foods to, to work in our network, and we've been working with a few in Nebraska and uh, Kansas ever since. Um, but the main thing that with Greenfield Robotics is uh, we were sort of showing it off to farmers and, and seeing what they thought, sort of one of our very early prototypes, and uh, gathering names and sort of uh, learning, see what farmers thought of it at that point. So that's when we met. I think the best way to understand, Clint, how you came to combine robotics and agriculture is to start at your beginning, because by most accounts that I've read, although you grew up in agriculture, you had no real desire to come back to the family farm after high school. You know, I grew up, um, you know, my dad had two jobs. One was he uh, loaned money to dairy farmers up and down the Midwest for uh, AMPI that's become DFA now. And his second job was uh, hobby farming. And so it wasn't uh, extremely well-funded, so we were constantly working on equipment that was breaking, and uh, <laughs> frustration mounted, and uh, I couldn't wait to get away from it. But I did all the things growing up, 4-H, you know, at Holstein cows that we uh, trained to show in. But uh, I couldn't wait to get away from it, and uh, went to K-State, got a couple degrees, and got into tech. But when I was 25, I had a startup that uh, Sony funded. I actually just let my eating habits and stuff decline, and, and I was working so hard that I actually uh, started getting pretty sick and ended up dealing with doctors and all this kind of stuff. And I actually had high cholesterol by the time I was 25. And so completely switched my diet. And at that point, started researching sort of organic food, you know, learned a lot about eating and taught myself how to eat healthy and um, so on and so forth. So that sort of at that point is, is kind of probably where this all, you know, came to be where I'm at. About 10 years ago, I was still living in Los Angeles and went through a divorce and decided it was a great time to just think about everything. You know, what do I want to do? Um, now is the time if I'm going to make a change and move back to Kansas and eventually decided to, uh, you know, do something that I didn't think anyone could argue with that created harm. And that would be, hey, let's see how we can if we can get chemicals out of agriculture production or at least ones that are a little bit dangerous. Clint, you come back to the family farm and you're trying to figure out your life direction. So what question did you ask to start Greenfield Robotics? Basically, the problem I was trying to solve, we, we grew a bunch of vegetables, and we've distributed into Whole Foods, uh, Hy-Vees. Um, I've done a lot of, of different work in different places growing vegetables, and we never used any chemicals. We have greenhouses. Uh, we did hydroponics, all sorts of things, and so I've learned a lot. And then the idea where Greenfield came from is how do I take the things we've learned and apply it on a broad acre setting, corn, soybeans, milo, wheat, so on and so forth. And Greenfield came from my need to be able to do no-till organic farming. Now, as it turns out, it's completely applicable to conventional farming as well. Let's use theater the mind that is radio. Clint, describe to us what one of your robots looks like and how it works in the field setting. It's the simplest thing I could think of. And I started about four years ago testing pigweeds out in fields with a rotary mower behind a little tractor and mowing those pigweeds repeatedly. Now, Rotary is going to cut about two and a half inches off the ground. 
And so I did that for about two years, um, testing what happens when we cut these back, what happens when I cut back Mary's tail. Saw that I was finding some success. So then the idea was, well, what if we create a small, we create a device that can cut it an inch or less off the ground? And so we did that two years ago, and we had a bot going up and down 30-inch rows of pearl millet. And we found that it was very successful in controlling pigweed. But we were doing it in a very manual way. We were doing it with a radio-controlled robot that we built. If you skip to now, uh, we have 10 bots being built here in Kansas. They're a swarm. We'll deploy them all together. They basically use GPS to, to pad themselves, to drive around the field, to know where to go before they're ever in the field. We map that out. Once they get in the field, they use machine vision. And so as of this week, the robots steer themselves up and down rows. They turn corners, they go up and down the rows, and we're seeking to get within one inch of the standing crop. We deploy them, 10 of them, and they'll just go up and down and repeatedly mow. And depending on crop type, uh, let's just use soybeans. We'll be out there two to five times a season to keep your broadleaf weeds under control. Clint, we're starting to run a little short on time here on air, but briefly tell us what are some of the economic benefits of using the robot technology versus chemicals on the balance sheet of a farm? I mean, you can't get blood from a turnip, right? And right now is not the time to be asking farmers to buy a bunch of stuff. We structured it to where it's a swap on your operating note for the chemical. So right now, if you're growing soybeans and you want to uh, get rid of dicamba or you want to get rid of uh, Liberty Link or any, any of those products that help you control broadleaf, um, we're at or below those costs. That again is Clint Bauer with Greenfield Robotics. We're a little short on time on air, so if you'd like to listen to Clint's answers on ease of repair of the bots and what's next for Greenfield Robotics, jump over to the podcast version of the interview at RuralRadio.com. With this glimpse into the future of agriculture, it's the Rural Radio Network. I'm Clay Patton inviting you to take a productive visit to KRVN Cattlemen. 100% beef oriented, KRVN Cattlemen brings you expertise from across the plains in audio and video spotlights featuring industry innovators. Handy Nebraska, Kansas, and cattle resources including the inventory, cattle on feed, and slaughter numbers you need. Plus hay reports for five states. You'll find a complete directory of upcoming auctions and private treaty sales. Click on the link for KRVN Cattlemen on the right front column of the homepage at krvn.com. Time for us to take a look at our business report here on Midday here on KRVN on this Tuesday afternoon. There was hope that uh, we've heard a lot from the president that if it simply need to lower lower interest rates, the Fed did that this morning. It worked for a little while. Unfortunately, stocks have fallen a great deal since then. In fact, they are now under 26,000 for uh, right now. Let's take a look at the overnights. Now the Foreign markets did a little bit better. The Japanese Nikkei, however, was down 261. The Hong Seng in Hong Kong was up 58. The FTSE in London up 52. And the German DAX index was up big, 127. The 10-year yield here in the United States down over 7% right now. The Dow Jones Industrial Average, as I mentioned, down um, almost 3%, some 700 points down under 26,000 at 25,932. The NASDAQ is down 260 right now, and the Standard & Poor is down 84. Here's Bob Brogan for more. 
stocks well stocks are whipping up and down after the Federal Reserve swooped into the market with an emergency rate cut in hopes of shielding the economy from the effects of the virus. Today's surprise uh, today's surprise move gave stocks a strong brief boost, but it took just uh, 15 minutes for the gains to uh, evaporate after popping to a one and a half percent gain shortly after the Fed's announcement. The S&P 500 swung between modest gains and losses for about an hour before turning decisively lower in the late morning. So that, as Scott said, didn't exactly work. Uh, But um, a good effort on the part of the Federal Reserve to react to the situation. And uh, it was kind of a surprise. A lot of folks didn't expect that. Chairman Jerome Powell noted that the coronavirus poses evolving risks to economic activity, and it was the Fed's first rate cut since last year when it reduced its key short-term rate three times. Seven major economies in the meantime, pledging to use all appropriate tools to deal with the spreading coronavirus, but announced no immediate actions. The group of major industrial countries, referred to as the G7, said today it's ready to take actions, including fiscal measures where appropriate to aid in the response to the virus and support the economy. Trade events are quickly going dark across the globe due to that new virus, and that is taking away sales opportunities that may be difficult to make up for companies. Some are taking their shows online with virtual events that they uh, stream from their headquarters to reach customers anyway, but marketing experts and executives warn that there is no substitute for face-to-face contact with potential clients. Meanwhile, Governor Pete Ricketts says federal officials are urging states to seek whatever federal resources they need to prepare for the COVID-19 virus as it spreads in the U.S. and to focus as much uh, effort as possible on prevention. So this is kind of a global thing, and it's um, it's kind of new territory, and, and folks are are having trouble uh, figuring out um, where the winds are blowing. Well, it appears it almost have more economic effects than it actually does physical effects for, for some. I mean, it's this has been a worldwide thing for sure. So, Nothing to fear but fear itself. There you go. 1257. Thank you, Bob. Evaluating and preparing bulls in advance of the breeding season. I'm Shaley Peters joining you here again on the Rural Radio Network. Our guest today, Carla Wilkie. She is with the UNL Cow-Calf Systems and Stocker Management Program. And Carla, you put this together as part of this month's Beef Watch, and we're going to talk more about it today because it's very timely. Of course, with calving season underway, that means breeding season won't be too far off. And what do producers need to be keeping in mind as they start to look at their bulls? First of all, they should be looking at their bulls. What do they need to keep in mind as they start to address body condition scoring with their bulls? So in the article, I just wanted to bring awareness to producers about the importance of having our bulls in a good body condition score when they go into the breeding season. And I wanted to go ahead and have people start thinking about it now because the bulls need to gain a little bit of condition between now and the breeding season because bulls often lose 100 to 200 pounds, which can equate to one or two body condition scores on a one to nine scale. 
when they go into the breeding season. So we really want to have them go into the breeding season in a body condition score five and a half to six and a half. So they have a little room to give when they get so busy. You addressed this just a little bit, uh, but one of the things you pointed out was that a lot of times when we have open cows, we typically blame the cow, but this could be something that goes back to the bull if they're not in uh, good condition. So talk about that, and then also, how far out do you recommend that they start evaluating their bulls? So unfortunately, what we're all kind of guilty of sometimes is pulling bulls out of the cow herd and putting them in the bull pasture at the end of breeding season and just kind of letting them fend for themselves um, and then maybe putting out a little hay in the winter and we don't think much about it. But if we, so I, I gave an example in the article where I talked about Maybe if you have a young bull, especially, um, maybe he's only a 1,300-pound yearling bull, and we feed him about 35 pounds of meadow hay, pretty decent meadow hay. Um, He's going to maintain his weight, but he's not likely to gain any. And so if we wanted to put 100 pounds on him in 90 days and we added a pound of a distiller's-based cube to his hay diet, then then we could probably make that 100 pounds in 90 days. If we wait until it's 60 days to the breeding season and then we're like, oh, you know, really evaluating these bulls and they're maybe a little thinner than I want him. Uh, now we need to put on 100 pounds in 60 days. We're going to have to feed that hay and add three and a half pounds of that cube. Um, if you got out of the sand hills and we're talking more of a farm ground area, you know, maybe we uh, in 90 days time, maybe we're feeding close to 30 pounds of millet hay and 14 pounds of corn silage. We wait till 60 days. We're going to have to cut some of that millet hay, increase the corn silage, and add some wet distillers. So, you know, we start we start needing to really push the energy pretty hard the longer we wait. When we start thinking about it, the time that we need that bull to start gaining that condition so that he has it to give when we go out with the cows is a time, usually, depending on your breeding season, uh, it's a time when there's not green grass available. And so it's really up to us, the producer, to monitor those bulls' condition, make sure they're in good shape, make sure they have some weight to lose to help them stay in good condition themselves and to maintain good semen quality so that we get a good tight breed up on those cows. We've been visiting again here with Carla Wilkie, part of the UNL Cow-Calf Systems and Stocker Management Program. You're listening to the Rural Radio Network. Check in on the closing grain future with John Payne, Senior Marketing Analyst with Daniel Zag Marketing in Chicago and publisher of the newsletter this week in grain. John, grain seemed to be somewhat insulated from the outside market moves. Are traders shifting their focus back to Chinese demand with those exemptions coming out for the tariffs? Uh, well, it's tough to say what's exactly going on right now. I think the market's more in fear mode now. Um, the rate cut is bullish longer term. I think the lower rates, the lower and the longer rates are, are this low, the more efficient commodity prices should be over the longer haul. But I think in the near term, traders are more fearful of, you know, what, what do they know that we're not being told? And uh, I think, you know, seeing the, the actions being taken by a lot of these governments and seeing our cases start to, ju- to pile up a little bit, I wouldn't say there's a lot of them, but, you know, we've got a, about 100 cases nationwide. Um, 
you know, what's going to happen here with, with the cancellations? Are they going to start canceling things? Sporting events, uh, you know, schools, I think those are the things you want to look for, schools specifically. So we got the news this morning that, that New York was maybe possibly going to cancel some school, uh, and I think that's more of an indicator of how bad things are at least expected to get, because when they cancel, that's going to slow economic activity down. Folks stay home from work, kids stay home from school, uh, and then essentially it kind of feeds on itself. And I think right now, You'll get the livestock markets as your cue. You'll get crude oil as your cue, and obviously the stock market will follow. Um, near term, nobody really wants to short grains because they're expecting China to buy, and we're tied between we're torn between this negative sign from demand globally and the outlook that China, our trading partner, could be in buying. I think there's some rumors floating around that that uh, U.S. corn, spring wheat, and sorghum are going to be involved in some sales, but we're not seeing any sales yet. So nobody wants to short because. Uh, you know, they don't want to be caught short when a news like that comes out, but at the same time, who really would want to buy given the, the action we're seeing in the outside markets? Well, and also, we are in delivery on those March contracts. A thousand contracts of soybeans coming up yesterday. Does that have any impact? No, I mean, I think that's probably already baked in. I think the fact that corn isn't seeing a lot of de- delivery is bullish. We're under, we're even with May. March is even with May, so I figured that would happen once we got through delivery. You know, produ- the the buy side is, is in control of the physical supply here with not much going online, but my advice would be to sell it early here. If you get a chance and get a rally up, say, $4 on this new crop or on the uh, the old crop anywhere, 390 395 I think you got to let it fly. I just don't think we're going to have a big rally above that at this point given what's going on globally. So from a new crop perspective, I think you take the same tack, 390 395 uh, would be a good sell prices here. In uh, the next leg would have to come from U.S. Um, U.S. or production or lack thereof. The Brazilian story is a little bit not finished yet, but I don't think we're, we're too concerned at this point. John Payton, Daniel Zag Marketing. Learn more at danielzagmarketing.com. Do remember, trading futures and options involves risk of loss. It may not be suitable for all investors. And that's going to do it for our midday show here on KRVN. To hear the midday show in its entirety, go to krvn.com. Just click on the podcast. Brought to you by Divinity Motors. Howdy, folks. This is Rick from Divinity Chrysler, Jeep, Dodge, Ram, and McCook. When you're ready to buy a new vehicle, expect that our hardworking, experienced staff will treat you just like family. Go to DiviniChryslerJeepDodge.com today. And remember, it's not a deal until it's a Divinity deal.